I want to jump into this message uh, in Genesis chapter 13. We've been in a series called Ripple Effect, which, which basically means this. Whatever I do today is not just about today. What I do today directly affects my tomorrow. I don't know if anybody started some new workout regimens as you started the new year. How, how many of you know you don't see results right away? Wouldn't that be nice? You just put the work in, you look in the mirror, you're like, I can see it. It's not like that. It, it's, I put in work today for a harvest that I'm going to see tomorrow. The same is true in our impact. The same is true with our gifting. The same is true as the kingdom. That the things I do today are not really about today. They're about my tomorrow. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. There's a story of Abram and Lot as God is lifting Abram's eyes, later to be known as Abraham, to see the thing that God wants to do through his life. Verse 10 says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot, this is really key. We talked about this last week. So Lot chose for himself. It's dangerous whenever you're choosing for you. I'm just going to tell you, you, you make really bad decisions when you're choosing for you. When, when we're self-focused, self-centered, we do not always make the most kingdom-minded decisions. So, so Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus, they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Now, this is interesting because God gives Abram a promise about offspring and about generational impact, and Abram has no kids. Okay, so th this is usually how God begins to stir purpose in you. It's not when you're doing things that are purposeful. It's usually before you've done anything, and God begins to say things or do things or stir things that you're like, how could you do that with me? I don't have any kids. How are you going to bless my children that I do not have? But God always calls things before they happen. We say this, the word of the Lord makes way or makes room for the work of the Lord. Before God does something, he announces it. Creation is a perfect example. God spoke and there was light. His word made room for his work. Or his word actually empowered his work. In, in this story, Abram and Lot have come to an impasse because uh, they, they, God had so blessed each of them that there wasn't enough room for both of them. And so Abram tells Lot, he says, you can choose for yourself which way you're going to go. You can choose what direction. And the Bible says he actually did this. He, he didn't choose what was best for his family. He didn't choose what was best for God's given purpose. Lot chose what was best for himself. And it says, and he chose the well-watered land. While Abram was left with second best, 
He was left with, 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 with the second, second best land. I, I, I was thinking back, I was studying this message and I, I started thinking about my brother and I, we've like worked together almost all our lives. And so uh, we, there was a season we were doing road construction right out of high school and and uh, I was kind of in charge of the job and, and uh, we were working together. And so uh, we would have these different projects, whatever that we'd have to do. And uh, I'd always line out the jobs, you know, like, okay, someone's got to do this and someone's got to do this. And I would give him the choice. Which one do you want? And without fail, he would always choose the easiest job. I'm like, you know, who wants to go move the forklift in the snow and who wants to stay inside in the, you know, in the heat? And he's like, I'll stay inside. And so I'm like, you know what? You, you have a problem. I said, you, you have a lot syndrome. I literally started calling him lot. I'm like, Hey lot, let's go to work because I'm like, you're going to choose what's best for you. And one day he turned to me and he said, Hey, if you keep on giving me the choice, I'm going to keep on choosing the better job. I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. It's a really good point. I, I literally kept on giving him the choice. Which one do you want? Expecting him to pick the harder job? No, he picked the, he picked the easier job. Did, 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 you, did you know that as believers, we have a lot syndrome? We, we, we usually pick what's easiest, what's most accessible, and what's best for us. It is difficult at times for us to have bi- vision beyond us. We, we've got vision for our life, for our day, for our needs, but it's difficult at times to have vision outside of that. I, I see it like this, is that Abram and Lot both had different lenses in which they saw the world. My family and I, we just were, were skiing over New Year's and uh, my boys got new, new ski goggles and uh, they like them because they have a little tent on the lens. And so they put those, they put, they put the, the ski goggles on and they're like, whoa, everything looks different. You know, and then they kept on pulling them off. Like, is this the real world or is this the real world? Is this the world? Because everything looks different through a different lens. So, so each of us, no matter your background, your experience, your, Christian background or not, you have a lens in which you see God, in which you see his ability, in which you see what he can do or can't do. You have a lens based on your experiences, whether you've won or lost, had successes or failure, been hurt, been blessed. You, you have a lens which you see things. I don't know if you've ever had bad service at a restaurant or on a flight, but it kind of puts a lens. Like there's a, there's an airline that I like, do not like to fly because I have a lens. I see them that way. There's actually a local restaurant that I had a bad experience because I found something in my food. I won't tell you what, and I won't tell you what restaurant because a lot of you eat there a lot, but I'll never go back because I have a lens on now and it's been years and I actually really like the food and I really like the place, but one experience put a lens on. Each of us look through a set of lenses. Now, Lot looked through this lens. What is best for me? What is, what is the most profitable for me and for my life right now? Abram looked through a lens that said, God, what are you saying? And I want you to see the contrast in their lives, their impact, but specifically through the perspective that they have when they look at the world. Lot says, what's good for me? Abram says, God, what are you saying? Lot's lens was what's best for me now. Abram's lens was God, use me however you want to use me. And we are in the middle of a 14 day fast as we're praying and fasting as a church. And I said this already, but I'll say it again. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. 
of coming away from something so that you can focus on something else. Every, every time I, I get hungry, it's a reminder to me of how much I need God. Right? When you fast, you take something away that you, you desire. Every time you have that desire or you feel that hunger pain, it's a reminder that, God, I want you more than I want this. Now, if you're watching any of the playoff games yesterday, I don't know why. I think it's just because of the fast. I'm all of a sudden noticing the commercials. I never notice the commercials. I leave during the commercials. I go to the bathroom during the commercials. But all of a sudden, I'm there and... Kentucky Fried Chicken looks absolutely incredible. After this fast, I'm, 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 I shouldn't, but I'm going. I'm going to KFC. It looks so good. The ad was so good. I'm watching it. it, it and you know what? When, I, when I'm hungry for something, it's a reminder to me of how hungry I am for the Lord. Literally, I say this in my mind. God, I'm more hungry for you than I am for that KFC, which is usually is not that hard, but for some reason yesterday it was. Fasting is not driving yourself to prove something to God. It's depriving yourself to sharpen your spiritual senses. So some people think that fasting is trying to twist God's arm. Fasting is not trying to move God. Fasting is trying to move me. Fasting does not change God. Fasting changes me. Fasting is not, I'm going to try to hurt myself. I'm going to try to deprive myself so God notices me. Fasting is to take something away so that it increases my sensitivity to God, so that I pray more, that I focus more, that I rely on him more. God is moved by our priority, not by our pain which means when I fast, I make him my number one priority. He's not moved by how intense you are. Oh man, you're like, man, you really fasted for a long time. I'm going to give you what you want. No, it's the, it's the discipline of fasting that says, God, you're my number one. As we begin a brand new year, it's crucial for you to start the year with God in his rightful place. God's your number one. It's what a fast is. A fast cleanses your lens. So Lot had a lens that was self-focused. Abram has a lens that says, God, what do you want to do? You know the best way, the most effective way to cleanse your lens is to actually enter into a time of fasting where you cut away some of the extras. So for me, I'm doing a lot of different things on this fast. But one of the different things is I, I have a bad habit of falling asleep to all kinds of different things. I like to fall asleep with AirPods in. And uh, I'm listening to sports radio. I like news conferences, press conferences. I listen to all the post-game press conferences. And uh, I'm grieving this week because Pete Carroll got let go as the Seattle Seahawks coach. And I love Pete Carroll. My boys were like, you've got to be kidding me. Not Pete. I'm like, I know. That's how I feel. They love him. They love him too. And, uh, but I listened to all of it. I wept during his post-game, his last post-game crop. I'm not even joking. I cried. He was crying too. He's like, I just love my wife and my players. I'm like, Pete, I love you. <laughs> but usually I go to sleep with all this in, in, in my ears. And, and, and so during the fast, I'm going to sleep with scripture or with worship music in my headphones. So I'm changing the rhythm to have increased focus, increased dedication, so that I can be sensitive to what God is doing. I'm resetting my lens in which I see God. I'm resetting my lens, taking me out of the focus and putting God in it. I'm getting the Abram focus. God, what do you want to say to me? 
How do you want to use me? What do you want to do through me? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, most people read this scripture and they're like, yeah, you got to believe that he exists. But there's a second part to the scripture. It says that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. What we're doing as a fast corporately as a church is we're earnestly seeking God. So you have a reward coming. And the super spiritual people say, well, I'm not doing it for a reward. Well, whether you're doing it for a reward or not, you get one. Because the Bible says, if you seek God, then there will be a reward to your seeking. This, the Bible teaches us this. I've been saying this for month over month. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. If you look for God, he will be found by you if you look for him with all your heart. If you earnestly seek him, there will be a reward to your seeking. As we start a brand new year, I believe that God wants to expand your vision like never before. I, be I believe God wants to really expand the boundaries of what you think is possible for you, your life, for your gifting, for what God's put in you. I believe God wants to give you vision, not just for this next year, but even what I talked about for the next decade. That God, you're going to use my life to make a difference in the people around me. When you look through the lens of what God wants to do through you, you see something different. God told Abraham if he could see it, then he could have it. I want you to look at this. Why did Lot only see, have a, have a limited perspective of what he could see? And why did Abram have an unlimited perspective? Lot looked through a lens of self. Abram looked through a lens of legacy. God said, Abram, you are going to be a father of many nations. You don't have any kids now, but you're going to be a father of many nations. Abram's lens was God, what are you saying to me? I'll do whatever you ask of me. And because he had kingdom perspective, God gave him unlimited vision. If you feel like you're stuck in the area of vision, it might be that your lens is full of yourself. But if you would kick yourself out of the vision and begin to say, God, what are you saying to me? I believe that God would begin to fill you with vision like you've never had before. That you would begin to have drive. You would begin to have purpose. You would begin to have hope like you've never had. That our, our world is full of people that have no purpose, no hope, and no vision. You want vision? Get yourself out of the lens and begin to put God in it. And when he becomes the lens which you see through, you will begin to see things that you've never seen. I have at each of your chairs the personal risk card. And I want I want to challenge you this this week as we end the fast, but up until vision day to begin to ask God, God, what's my personal vision? What's the thing that you're asking me to do? What is the thing that you're stirring? We said it earlier, what is my God goal? What's the thing that's bigger than my ability, but you're asking me to go after? You're asking for me to explore. To see correctly, you're gonna have to see through the correct lens. If you want vision, you gotta look through the lens of kingdom. If you want vision, you have to begin to look through the lens of God, how do you want to use my life? Some people, they think, Man, how could God ever use me with what I've done or where I've been? If you read your Bible, you're going to find out that God uses some really 
difficult people that have really spotty past to do really great things for the kingdom. So it tells me this, that my past cannot and it does not decide my future. That if I begin to look through the lens of kingdom, God can do anything through my life. I'll give you this, God even spoke through a donkey. So if God can use a donkey, you know the King James Version for a donkey? You can read it for yourself. If God can use a donkey, then he can use anybody. And if you would begin to look through the lens of God, I'm listening to your voice. I want to make a difference. You'll begin to have vision like you've never had before. Let me give you a couple things about your lens that your lens will do. My lens, the lens that I look through, will determine what I see. Both Lot and Abram saw different things based on the lens in which they look through. So if you consistently look with what's good for me, you will consistently have a ceiling on your vision. If you consistently look on, God, how can you use my life? You will consistently step into unlimited vision. I know this is true for my own life. When I begin to really explore how big God is in ministry, in my own purpose, the vision that I got scared me. So when I begin to tell people about the vision, we, when we took over the church and we started talking about city transformation and we started talking about buildings and schools and dream centers and people are like, whoa, it's, it's, it's too much. Because as soon as I put, looked through the lens of possibility, I saw something different. When I looked through the lens, lots lens, I was like, how can I be rich? How can I be famous? How can I have an easy life? How can I, right? But when I changed lens, I saw something different. How can I make an impact? How can I help people? How can I see a city transform? How can we build a community of people that host and steward the presence of God? How do we have generational impact? It all changed based on the lens in which I looked through. In this new year, if you have lens that can see things through God's perspective and for God's glory, then whatever you see, you can have. Your lens will determine what you see. Your lens will also determine where I settle. My lens will determine where I settle. Now, you see in, this, in the text, both Abram and Lot settled in different places. Lot chose for himself, and it says he settled near Sodom. Now, if, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, Sodom and Gomorrah were not the most holy cities. In fact, they were the opposite of holy. And if you read your Old Testament, the Bible says that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. All right, so Lot didn't move to Sodom. He just moved close. I'll tell you how compromise works. Compromise doesn't work by you just jumping into a habit, jumping into sin, jumping into an addiction. Compromise works like getting close. Well, I'm not doing it, but I'm just getting as close as I can. I'm not engaged in it, but I'm just as, as close as I can without crossing the line. This is Lot's journey. Lot got close. A couple chapters later, it says Lot moved in. A couple verses later, it says Lot was taken captive. Do you, know how, do you know how bondage works? Bondage doesn't work by one day you just like wake up and you can't control yourself. Bondage doesn't wake up like one day you just wake up alcoholic and you're like, how did that? Bondage wakes up like, I'm just going to camp next to this thing. I'm going to get close, but I'm not, I'm just as close as I can, but not cross. You know, it's not very popular today, but holiness still matters. 
Being set apart still matters. Being sanctified still matters. Being an example to the world still matters. This, 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 this whole makeup of I can get as close to the world as I can is, is how I reach the world. That's, that is not true. You know, when you, if you become like the world to reach the world, then you're proving to the world that they don't need the God that you have. Because if the God that you have can't change you, why should they change to have the God that you have? So when you actually have life change, you show the world that there is something to God that's different than the bondage that they're living in. Lot, he, because of his lens, he settled in a place that eventually imprisoned him. God's plan for you is that you would live life free, free of anxiety, free of anger, free of addiction, free of things that control you that you can't control. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So God, God's given you freedom, but the lens you look through determines the place that you settle. Lot settled close to Sodom. Abram settled in Canaan. Now, I thought this was interesting because as I was studying this this week, I thought, man, that must have been tough for Abram because he got second best. Lot got to choose first. He chose the best land. He chose the land that was well watered. He chose the place that was easiest. And so Abram had to choose a different land. He chose what was second best, what was more difficult. And I want you to know this, that oftentimes God will lead us in more difficult pathways or journeys, but it's not because he's giving us a more difficult and path, difficult destination. It's because God's doing something in the journey to develop us and prepare us. How many of you ever just look back at your, at your life and thought, man, when I was in it, that was terrible. But now I look back on it and I realize that God taught me something in it. God will use the difficult seasons, the desert seasons, the wilderness seasons to develop character in you, to grow your capacity, to grow your dependence on God so that he can take you to the place that he wants to take you. Because Abram, he looks through the lens of God, what are you saying? And in that place, he camped in the place that was second best. But it was also the place that God began to speak to him. And he said, Abram, lift up your eyes. Look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Whatever you see, you can have. How did Abram get that? Wouldn't that be amazing? Whatever you see, you can have. You'd be scrolling Amazon like, I see it, I see it, I see it. <laughs> but if you look through the wrong lens, you'll never see that. If you look through self lens, you won't see that. But if I look through kingdom lens, I see something different. And what I see through that lens, God says, I'll, I'll give it to you. My lens will determine where I settle. The last one is this. My lens will determine who I impact. When you read the story of Lot, the story ends with Lot. You hear about his choice. You hear about his captivity. Abram had to go rescue him. And it's over. It's over for Lot. His, his, his legacy ended with himself because the lens that he looked through limited his legacy. For Abram, we know that we still talk about Abraham today. We say that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When you talk about Abraham, he's the father of our faith. Why does he have that type of impact and Lot have such a limited impact? Because Abram's view was God, how do you want to use me? What do you want to say? If we as a church decided that we were gonna change our perspective from what's best for us 
to what's best for him, then all of a sudden your impact will grow exponentially. You know, the, 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 the older I get, the more I live life, the more I'm focused on that after I leave this life, I want to make sure that I leave a legacy. I want to make sure my kids, my grandkids, my great grandkids have a legacy of spirituality. I want to make sure that I leave a foundation. I want to make sure that not just in my immediate family, but in our church, in our area, that I leave a legacy. I want to have a kingdom impact. But to do that, I have to look through the lens of kingdom. And if I see it that way, I'll be able to, able to expand my impact. If your lens is what's best for you, then your vision will always be limited. If your lens is what is God saying, then your eyes will be open to possibilities that you never imagined. Now, it's interesting in this story of Abram and Lot, Abram's name we know changed to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. But something else happens in Genesis chapter 17 that's really interesting. At this point in Abram's life, he has had one kid in a place of sin, trying to make God's promise happen, but he has, he's, he's got no kids. Now he's getting older. He's getting older. Time has passed. He's been faithful. God said he's going to be a father of many nations, and he doesn't even have kids. It says in Genesis chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, that's old. We have a hard time holding on to God's promises for days. I was just speaking at a church in Las Vegas and I told them, I, I said th that in this next season, we have to give up holding on to words for days and begin to hold on to words for decades. We have to think bigger and we have to really trust that if God said it, he's gonna do it. So this instant fix, instant gratification, well, I believe for a day. No, you, sometimes you gotta believe for a decade. Because if God said it, he will bring it to pass. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Now, I love this about the Bible. The, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So when you see God mentioned, you see a lot of different names. Like sometimes it says the Lord, it says the Lord Jehovah. In your Bible in English, it'll say God. Sometimes, and this is one of the first times it's ever said it this way, it said God Almighty. Each time that there's a different variation in English is actually a different Hebrew name for God. So many of you know there's a lot of different names for God, like Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Nisi, our victory or our banner. There's all these different names that are different characters or attributes of God. When this scripture says that he's God Almighty, if you look up that name, it is the first time that God reveals himself as El Shaddai. And it means this, the all-sufficient one. Abram's 99 years old. He can't bring about God's promise on his own. He's tired probably. Maybe even begin to give up on God's plan or the vision that God gave him. And God said, hey, I just want you to know something that I am able, I'm the all-sufficient one. I am able to bring about the thing that I promised to you. I have every ability that you need in me. So don't worry about the future. Don't worry about making it happen. If you saw it, I can do it. Because I'm El Shaddai. He begins to reveal himself as El Shaddai. 
Another definition means the breasted one, which actually is the picture of a mother nursing a child, that all the nutrients for the child's survival are in God. So that everything you need to survive, you can be sufficient in him. You don't need anything outside of him. You don't need any fabricated formula. You need him. He says, I'm the all-sufficient one. If I have the ability to show you something, I have the ability to do something. And this is good news for anybody that's ever had a vision from God. If God had the power to show it to you, he also has the ability to accomplish it in your life. He says, I am God Almighty. I am the El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. He says, I got you covered. I have everything you need. Just be, just be faithful. And then... I will make my covenant between me and you and you will greatly and will greatly increase your numbers. And Abram fell face down and he said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. This is interesting. God changes his name now from Abram to Abraham. So Abram saw the vision as Abram, right? He, he looked and he said, if you look to the north, the south, east, and the west, whatever you see, you can have. He got that vision as Abram. But then God said, I'm, I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. I'm the one that's able to bring this about. But in order to do it, you need me. So I'm gonna add myself to you. That Abraham is a, is a Hebrew vowel that we also find in Yahweh. So what God did is he added himself to Abram. Abram means everlasting father. Abraham means father of many nations. So look, so look at this. Abram could be a dad, but to have generational impact, he needs God, which tells me this. You could have some small vision and accomplish some small things, but if you're going to do something great for God, then you have to have the power of God. This is the anointing. The Bible says that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. This is the anointing. God's super on your natural. It's God's ham on your Abram. It's Abraham. It's what he did with Sarah. Her name was Sarai. She was 90 years old, unable to have kids. But she had a vision and a word from God that she would have a child. They laughed at God. Probably you would too if you were 90. 99-year-old, first-time dad. You probably laughed too. But God says, I'm El Shaddai. If you were Abram, it couldn't happen. But as Abraham, I'm going to put my power on your ability. Sarai, not a chance. But Sarah, the same Hebrew consonant that's added, same one that we find in Yahweh. He said, I'm putting my power on your strength. Can I prophesy over your 2024 that you may be able to see things in your own perspective, but the only way that you can br actually bring them to pass is with God's power. So if you begin to see with his eyes, if you can see it, you can have it. And if you would lean in in this next year to the supernatural working and power of God, if this is your best year spiritually, it'll be your best year yet. If you could decide that I'm going to give myself to rhythms and habits and patterns to, a, to grow myself spiritually, you would begin to see God expand your vision to begin to see, to begin to believe, to begin to live out a purpose like you never have 
before. I thought this was really interesting that God changed Abram's name before he changed his situation. God changed his name before he changed his situation. So he says, I'm going to add my power and I'm going to call you the father of many nations while you're not. Which reminded me of the story of Gideon. You remember the story of Gideon? Old Testament, the book of Judges. God comes to him and he's hiding in a place of fear. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, God's with you, mighty warrior. He was everything but a mighty warrior. But God doesn't call you according to your present tense or past tense. He always calls you according to your potential. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see the mistakes. He doesn't see the track record of failures. He doesn't see the times you turned your back, the times you disobeyed. He looks at you and he sees what you can do. Friends, if you would lean in to vision in 2024, if you would not look through a lens of says, what's good for me, but God, how do you want to use my life? You would be able to see things that you never saw, but also do things that you've never done. I believe this as a church, I believe this over your home and over your life, is that God wants to begin to expand vision for you to see things. God, how could you use me and my little business? God could multiply your little business. You could be a kingdom resource. God could multiply your influence. You could totally affect your sphere of influence. God could multiply your ministry. You could speak to people all over the world. If, if God puts his power on your willingness and your ability, there is no ceiling on what God could do. God didn't, God didn't tell Abram, hey, look to the north, but not the south. He says, look, if you want to be used by me, you're the only ceiling. You're the only cap. I'll use you as much as you want to be used. I'll use your life as much as you want to be used. If you want to see my power, I'll give you my power. The cap is you. If you take the cap off, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. That's what we're doing as a church as we enter into this year is we're not limited by resource. We're not limited by geographical locations. We're saying, God, what do you want to do with us? We look to the north. We look to the south. We look to the east. We look to the west. Whatever you want to do, our answer is yes. What could God do through your life in the next year, ultimately the next decade? If you swap lenses, say, God, whatever you want to do, you can do it in me.